0: Teaching in the book of John. Now, the last time we were here, we finished covering chapter 5. And since chapter 5 is so lengthy, we're not going to give a long review on it, but we'll just simply make a couple of notations in this manner. Basically, starting with Jesus healing a man at the Bethesda pool, commanding the man to take up his pallet and walk, knowing that when he commanded this man to take up his pallet, this was called, this would cause a confrontation with the Jews, namely the Jewish leaders, because they considered the carrying of the pallet to be the breaking of the Sabbath day. Jesus continued on with this issue of the Sabbath day to call, or should I say, reference God as his father. And this caused an even greater stir in the mind of the religious leaders, because in Jesus calling God his own father, my father, he called himself God. That is, he made himself equal with God. And again, to be equal with God is to be God. So Jesus was not saying that he was the father. He was simply making himself equal equal with the father. And so that idea is that the Messiah also is God as well. You see, they could deal with the idea of the possibility of Jesus being the Messiah, but they could not fathom the idea of Jesus being God in man's flesh. So, but anyway, so Jesus did not back down from this but he began to give foundational truths concerning his divine attributes, that is, that he is God. And then he continued, after giving such proofs, to give witnesses to satisfy the law of Moses. Two or three witnesses in a Jewish court establishes the truth of what is being said. Jesus also gave a preponderance of witnesses in that he gave four, and the context of the entire chapter was to uh, hold to what he has been saying the whole time—that he is equal with God, that he is God. Okay, now enough of that. Now today we have a relatively short video, and it is a a passage that is very uh, uh, known, widely known. I've heard a lot of. Uh, so-called preaching from this particular passage, but we're not going to preach from this passage today. We're going to teach from this passage today so that you can understand what was really going on. Now, there are a number of issues that can be drawn from it because we're going to be dealing with the feeding of the 5,000 men. That is, Jesus is a provider. Jesus can provide for you and I today and Jesus, as I've heard it said, can make a way when there is no way. He can take a small thing and make a great thing. Yes, 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 yes. All of these things are factually true, but that is not the issue or the primary issue of John's recording of this particular passage in the first place, okay? So, but nevertheless, it is a very important passage that John records because we see that the feeding of the 5,000 is recorded in all four of the Gospels. So that lets us know how important it is because only the feeding of the four or 5,000 and the resurrection of the dead is recorded in all of the Gospels. All other parts have some miracles or signs and then others and then they'll not have others but remember what we did say the intent of the writers Matthew Mark Luke John was never to record all the signs and works of Jesus remember what John said at the very end if he were to record all of those things write them down in a book then all the books in the world could not contain the record of the things that Jesus did. So it was never the mindset of the authors to record everything that Jesus did. They only recorded certain issues or certain things that Jesus did as it helped to uh, move further their theme or to prove the point of their gospel. Matthew, Jesus, the King of the Jews, uh, son of David, and then uh, one who is the Jewish Messiah. Mark, one who can do a great thing immediately, and also that idea of servant of the Lord. Luke, recording somewhat what we would call a documentary, a chronological order of the events in the life of Jesus. John, his purpose is to show that Jesus was not only the human Messiah, he was also God in the flesh. So each of these writers had different perspectives and themes that they were trying to draw out. And so therefore they would pick out, choose out certain signs, miracles, and activities of Jesus in order to Promote that theme so they can say, Okay, this is what I'm trying to say. So I'm using this as an occasion to make the point that I'm trying to make. And we already understand that in the Gospel of John, his primary point concerning Jesus is to speak to his divinity, that Jesus is God. Okay, so with all of that being said, we move now into. the feeding of the 5,000. Again, a wonderful sign. Remember the whole point of a sign is a great miracle done to attest something to a person about who that person is and what that person is saying about himself or the message of the individual. But without any further ado, We move on now to chapter six. It shouldn't take us long in this particular one. you no doubt are familiar with the text, but we want to deal explicitly with what the point of John is. And again, remember now, this particular miracle sign is spoken of in all of the other gospels. So what we can do, we're not going to do it in this video, but what is good to do and understand is to note that. Other writers bring in other parts of this particular miracle, okay? So John is not trying to say he did this, then he did this, then he did this. John has a major idea that he's trying to bring about. But you can bring in the writings of the other authors concerning the miracle of the 5,000 and it'll help fill in some of the blanks, okay? But we're not concerned with that. We're not trying to give some type of comprehensive Uh, view of what happened with the feeding of the 5,000. We are studying the gospel of John. So we're going to take John's gospel and show you the point that John is trying to make in his gospel. And once again, this will speak to his overall theme of the divine nature of Jesus. All right. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the sea of Galilee or Tiberius, A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews, the Jews, the Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. Therefore, Jesus lifting up his eyes, seeing that a large crowd was coming to him. Let's stop right there. Matter of fact, Let's just back up and deal with these issues, okay? All right, so now we have roughly about six months after the events of chapter five has taken place and Jesus has moved on the other side of the Tiberias. That is the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus has moved northward. Now, that's important to see as well. Jesus has moved what? Northward. Remember, he's basically in the regions of Galilee moving northward what happens? A large crowd is now following Jesus. His um, popularity has increased more and more. As a matter of fact, as we deal with this particular event, it's going to be so weird how it actually works out. Jesus will, the, the climax of his ministry takes place at this time. The very climax, the pinnacle of his ministry, and even some of the greatest, the time with some of the greatest numbers of people are following him. And what we will see is by the time we get to the end of this chapter, which is still related to these events, is going to drop off almost completely and hardly nobody will be following Jesus at this time. A very strange thing, but we'll deal with all of that when we get there. But the people were following Jesus because they saw the number of signs that he was performing and how he was healing the number of sick people. So no doubt there are a number of uh, sightseers following Jesus and people who are excited because they see a miracle. No doubt that that's there, but what is you have to understand is it was the atmosphere of messianic expectation. In other words, the people of musing. They are trying to say, is Jesus really the Messiah or not? So the the crowds are getting larger and larger, and the people, as far as messianic excitement, is he the Messiah? Because remember, that was the whole point of John the Baptist, to point out who would be the Messiah. He pointed to Jesus, and Jesus, at that first Passover, began to do signs. The whole point of the signs is I am the Messiah. So it is a testing to who he is. It is a testing to what he claims to be the son of God. Remember the title son of God means what again? God. It refers to his divine nature. Just like on the other hand, son of man refers to what his human nature his humanity. But anyway, so they're following Jesus. The atmosphere is electrified with messianic hope. And so Jesus wants to kind of get away from the people a little bit, find a solitary place. He goes upon a mountain with his disciples. And then verse number four says the Passover of the Jews was near. Now, even though this statement seems to be a chronological statement it is a chronological statement to, and this is basically jesus second passover that's mentioned in the book of john but nevertheless it's more than just chronological to give us a time period in the ministry of jesus which if this is the case and it is the case of course but this being the case jesus has about a little bit over a year to live before he's actually crucified it's more than chronological There are spiritual overtones that would become very important. John just simply mentions them here. But by the time that we get to the end of chapter six, Jesus is going to speak in great spiritual terms to the Passover. Remember the Passover, the Lamb of God, the Lamb. Remember, they would also eat the flesh of the Passover. That was important. That's found in Exodus chapter 12 eat the flesh of the Passover, leave none of it for the morning, take the blood, of the passover lamb and smear it on the door posting you know on on the on the uh uh, the sides and top of the door so the flesh of the lamb and the blood of the lamb would be key to celebrating the passover celebration by the time you get to the end of the chapter jesus is going to make a profound statement concerning relating to the passover Unless you eat my flesh, and that is like the Passover lamb, and drink my blood like the blood of the Passover lamb was smeared on the lintel of the doorpost, you have no life in yourselves. So, point that I'm stating, even though it seems that it's like a chronological marker, he's just simply marking time, or just simply something, John is just simply saying it, just to let us know what time it was, near the Passover There will be a time later on related to these very events that the Passover will become very important because Jesus is going to tie himself as the Passover. He's going to make that spiritual tie as the Passover and speaking in terms of faith that is, believing in him. What did the Passover accomplish? For the people in the day of Moses, by the by way of the Passover, death passed over the people by way of the Passover. That is of Jesus himself. Spiritual death, eternal death passes over those who believe in him, eat his flesh, drink his blood. By way of the Passover, should I even say the night of the Passover began their redemption when they were led out of Egypt, that is the people of Israel in Moses' time. By same way, spiritual idea of Jesus, through him we are led out of sin into a new life. But we're not gonna get into all of that. I always do that, but my whole point is even though it seems somewhat innocuous in the mentioning that the Passover was near, it will have great spiritual uh, importance as we move to the end of the chapter. But John just said it here for the beginning. But anyway, so verse number five. Now let's go there. Therefore, Jesus now on this mountain, Jesus lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, Let's just stop there. Let's stop there and just now we go now. Okay, let's lay our background. Let's lay the scenery. Turn on the theater of your mind. Jesus, with large crowds following him, no doubt he wants a little rest from the crowd, but still he takes. He goes with himself and his disciples into a high mountain. The people continue to follow Jesus up this high mountain. So as Jesus on the mountain, he looks down, he sees this large crowd of people beginning to follow him. All of a sudden, Jesus has a bright idea. But before, let me let me talk a little bit first. So as he sees all these people coming, he asks Philip, he says, Where are we going to get the substance, substance to feed this great number of people? How are we going to buy bread for these people? Because what Jesus manifesting here is the desire to feed them and even notice you'll even see in other parts of the gospel Jesus didn't want to send them away because they're going into the towns they had been following Jesus for a certain amount of time he didn't want them to faint along the way but nevertheless we are sticking with John's gospel John is being very curt he's not trying to get into all of the details he is literally hitting the high points of the thing so in asking Philip he did not he asked Philip in order to test him. That is, Jesus was engaging Philip in the conversation, thereby engaging his disciples. He said, like, listen up, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna test you with something about food to feed these people. Already Jesus knew exactly what he would do. So Jesus had a purpose in this particular thing. Now Let's just deal with this whole, let's deal with the answer to this right now. We know there are going to be 5,000 men, not including the women and children. You have to remember that. So it is easily, again, try to visualize a crowd of over 10,000 people, 10,000 people, okay? So Jesus is eliciting, he is trying to draw a response from Philip. As a teaching lesson. So it's going to teach Philip something and also it's going to teach the apostles something, you know, the rest of the apostles something, which is the reason why John is writing about this particular event at this time. There is a teaching lesson here for the apostles, okay? So he is doing it with a reason. Once again, let me just give you the answer already. We are dealing with the issue of a great miracle. That's why I want you to really see it in the theater of your mind. 10,000 people. I mean, people, who knows, probably just about almost as far as the eye could see. That's why they had to sit them down in groups of 50s and 100 so that you can deal in a manageable way with this large crowd. We see that from other gospel writers, but to do such a miracle, what does that say about such a one who did such a miracle. This is not simply a man. Remember the very thesis of John's gospel, that Jesus is God. So by including this miracle in the manner in which he does, John is saying the only someone who can do a miracle like this, as great as this miracle is God himself. So that is the reason. So Jesus has in his mind to do something to establish a fact for the people to see that he is Messiah and God, Son of God. Okay? And remember, as we do read in this, as we do study the Gospel of John. The great signs, and this is one of the signs that John includes, John includes seven great signs in his gospel. There's a reason for the seven, speaks of completion, speaks of totality, refers back to God, the working of God. John includes seven great miracles of Jesus to attest to his divine nature. These seven things prove what? That Jesus is God. So that's the idea of John. So as we see this particular miracle, it is a teaching. It serves as a teaching service for his disciples. Then and in the future, when they reflect back on this miracle, it, it also speaks to the people that he is doing something magnificent. Number one, only God can do. But we'll talk about the rest of it as we work through the gospel. I'm already pre. Uh, 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 premature enough because I'm literally at a summary before I can even get into the actual text itself. But I want you to see what Jesus was doing when he said to Philip, uh, uh, to how are we going to feed these people? Where are we going to get enough money to money to buy food to feed these people? Jesus knew what he was going to do. And the very purpose that Jesus was doing these things. And that's what I wanted you to see. Why he said that? What was he trying to prove about himself to the people, to his disciples? And that's why we covered that in a premature fashion. Okay, but now let's back back up, get back into the text. So the question was asked to Philip, where could they buy bread so this would cause a stir and we find out in other gospels that jesus said go and look go and look you know they told him to send him on a search mission but back to the text and this he was in the text he knew what he was going to do philip answered him 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for everyone to receive a little now there are a few important things to receive so philip responds to jesus because remember jesus and his disciples received financial support from the people who supported his ministry. Okay. So they didn't have the money. That's the whole idea. They didn't have the money. And Philip said it would take a minimum, a minimum of 200 denarii. Now, what you have to understand about the denarii is the denarii was basically what was paid for a day's work. All right. It was, it was the base pay For a day's work. So he says, if we had 200 days worth of money, so 200 denarii, this would only be sufficient for everybody just to receive just a little bit, just a little scrap. So you need to remember that as we get to the very end uh, uh, of this section about this particular miracle and actually what was. Left from the miracle, but the whole idea of Philip is, it would take a great deal of money just for everybody to receive just a little bit. All right, verse eight. So now, what happens in the background? Jesus sends them on a mission. He said, "Well, go find out. Go see what we got. See what can we come up with." And what happens? Verse number eight. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him. There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? So now as Jesus has sent his disciples to go and find, see what you can find. He already knew what they would find. Basically nothing. That is this small, small boy's lunch sack. And that's what it is. Literally when he said the two fish, and five barley loaves. This was a lunch sack of a small boy. And so what happens? Uh, Philip, I'm sorry, Andrew, Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother, has found this boy with his little lunch sack and, uh, and he has it. <laughs> Apparently the boy gave it up willingly, no doubt. But he said, he said, that is, it can't help us. It's too little. What is this when you consider this great number of people? So you sent us to find, this is what we got, but okay, it's not enough. Let's not even get into the idea of thinking that's enough. And that's the mind of Andrew when Jesus sent them off on the mission to see what they could find. Verse verse number 10, the response of Jesus. Jesus said, have the people sit down Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number of about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also of the fish as much as they wanted. Now, let me stop. Let me stop. So, the response of Jesus, he knew what he was going to do. Now, he engages in that thing. So what happened? He tells them, sit down. So you can imagine he tells them to sit down. The idea is, remember now, the Jewish people would always recline to eat. Whenever you see a lot of times in the English translation, it was talking about they sat down to eat. Actually, the word, the verb is they recline to eat. And we would sometimes use that type of translation to give us the mental picture of people sitting down to eat. But the Jews would recline to eat. But nevertheless, the people are now sitting down on the grass. They have been grouped in 50 or 100 so that it could be a manageable group, as I told you otherwise. And when the men sit down to, gra- to eat, you can imagine in the mind of the disciples, Jesus having two little fish, five barley, nothing but a snack pack, a snack pack. Like, well, OK, well, what is he about to do? Because. we ain't got enough to work with. But nevertheless, as they sat down, there was a lot of grass in the place and it told us the number. And the number was 5,000 men, that is gender males, not including the women and the children. So again, turn that theater on your mind, 5,000. That is a huge number. And two fish, five little pieces of bread, barley loaves of bread, What in the world can you do with this insignificant amount? And here is where a lot of times some of the great preaching that we've heard come in, how God can provide and God is able and God can make a way when there's no... Yes, all of these things, as I said earlier, is true. But you have to understand Jesus is going beyond simply saying, He is able to provide because if this is the mindset that you have, if this is what you receive from this text, you make the error that the people did. Now, you're probably wondering right now, well, what error did the people make? I ain't there yet. You got to give me a chance to get there. But let's go on to the miracle. So what happened? Jesus took that two fish, five loaves, and he gave Thanks. The scripture doesn't mention what thanksgiving uh, blessing that he gave, but he probably gave the normal Jewish blessing over food that is given before and after a meal. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. So that's probably the blessing that he gave. He blessed the food and then he began to distribute it to the people who were sitting down and noticed something. Remember, remember when he said uh, earlier, that was Philip who said, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Philip who said there's only even, I'm sorry, if they got 200 days worth, 200 laboring days worth of food, 200 denarii worth of food with this large crowd, they can only get a little bit. Just what? A little bit. Now here's where the, if you'll let me say it in this way, here is where the magic happened. When Jesus blessed the food, they did not get a little bit. Verse number 11 says they got as much as they want. So you got just me. And you know, they're, they're, we all eat different ways. You know what I mean is different amounts and you got 5,000 men, they can eat. Now, let's let's gotta be, uh, <laughs> I can remember when I was a teenager. Boy, when I was a teenager, I could put it away. Now that I'm a man, I can't eat like I used to eat. But so the point is, the men, you know they ate well. The young boys, you know they ate well. The girls, the women, a lot of food. This was not so much as having a little, They had a lot. What? They had as much fish as they wanted. They had as, now listen, how many fish did they start with? Two. (laughs) How many people do you have? 10,000 minimum. And they had how much? As much as they wanted. Indeed, the Lord did provide for them, but a great sign was performed before them before who the two groups that I mentioned earlier before the people as well as Jesus's disciples this was a great sign and this no doubt would take their minds back to the prophet Elijah in second Kings when the man had brought Elijah some food and Elijah said give it to the people And from that uh, small meal that was brought before, I think it was 20, 20 loaves, I believe it was, that was brought to Elijah, a hundred men were fed. Now, look what Jesus did. Jesus took what Elijah did and multiplied it by thousands. So what Elijah did did not even compare in scale to what Jesus had done. In other words, what Jesus did A man once did something similar, but on a much smaller scale, what Jesus did in the grand scale that he did it was something not that a man could do, but something only God can do. Now you see why John used that particular miracle. Jesus did in the miracle of the 5,000 men only something only God could do. But anyway, so let's continue. Verse number 12. When they were filled, don't you like that part? And you know how people can eat and be greedy. Well, when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets, large baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Now, let's talk. Let's anyway. So, when they were filled, again, you know how people eat. You ever had some type of function, <laughs> invited people over to eat free food? <laughs> and they take, what did they take plates home? <laughs> and don't pay for But anyway, so the people ate literally as much as they wanted to the field. From what? Only two fish. And five loaves. This is simply showing you the greatness of the miracle. But even so, what? And so, Jesus, not willing to waste, said to gather them up. And they gathered up and filled 12 baskets. Now, is there some spiritual significance to the 12 baskets? Hmm, Possibly. Possibly speaking of provision. Provision for his people. That is, remember, there are 12 tribes of Israel, and Jesus will have. Twelve apostles, and here you see what twelve baskets, and these twelve baskets are showing what that Jesus, God, not only provided for what they needed, but God even provided for even what more than they needed. There could be even some shadowing of these things about the semblance of this, and we're not going to get into this, but I just make mention of it in the holy place in the ark of the uh, uh, in the tabernacle, and we don't, I can't. Get into all of those details. It would literally require a studies. But if you are familiar with the tabernacle, you had the outer court, then you had the inner court, the holy place, and then you had the most holy place. That is where God himself manifested his light, the Shekinah glory of God between those two cherubim. Okay, but in the holy place, that is the inner part of the sanctuary, not the most inner part, but the holy place, you had the table of showbread that was there and it spoke of God's provision for his people. God is able to provide so it could have a spiritual semblance with that. But nevertheless, leaving the 12 baskets, because this is not a spiritual study of the possibility of the spiritual meanings of the 12 baskets in the feeding of the 5,000. Nevertheless, one thing is clear. And John does this in his gospel by the 12 baskets. it, It showed that they were able to count how much was actually produced not only the miracle but the overflowing abundance of food that they had how much it was enough to fill 12 baskets so this also forms the foundation for what john loves to do he loves to give a witness in other words i saw that this actually happened because when it was all done we filled Twelve baskets, and that is also a point that John is definitely making at this time. Proof that Jesus did these things in feeding this massive number of people from this small amount of food, even to the point that you had such an abundance left over. Okay, enough of that. So the people uh, uh, ate from such a small amount of food. And all of this is simply saying, this is a magnificent miracle. And remember what I said earlier, Jesus knew what he was going to do. Now we can bring in the idea why Jesus did these things, for the sake of the disciples, for the sake of the people, and what point is he trying to make? He did something far above what Elisha the prophet did. That's important too, Elisha, the prophet. He did something far above that. Not something that a man could do, but something only God can do. And remember, the whole idea of all of these people following behind Jesus is the electricity of the atmosphere, the excitement in their messianic hopes. Is this Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah? Is he, is he, is he? And now you see a great miracle that he did. I be doggone. Well, it looks like he just might be the Messiah. (laughs) So that's the idea in what Jesus is trying to do, solidify through his works. Remember what he said in chapter five? We just dealt with that. The works that I do testify, the works that I do testify as to who I am and who I claim to be. This great work that Jesus claimed has just done is now testifying to who he is, the son of God, God made flesh. OK, but anyway, now let's continue it. Verse 14. Now we have the response of the people. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, truly. They said, this is truly the prophet who is coming to the world, who is to come into the world. So Jesus perceiving that they were intended to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now, that completes this section. But now let's talk about how the people responded. When the people saw this great sign this great miracle that Jesus did they understood something about his person remember the whole idea messiah is he or is he not the messiah notice they said this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world that is the prophet this is this is that again fulfillment that what they're believing about the fulfillment of the Deuteronomy 18 and 15 when Moses said, God will raise up to you from amongst yourselves a prophet like me. Listen to everything that he says, be obedient to his voice. So this is Moses speaking of prophesying of the Messiah who is to come. Also, you can see the inference to the greater prophet, greater than whom, even the prophet Elisha, who himself had a double portion of the spirit of his master, Elijah, but we're not gonna get into all of that. But what I do want you to see is the people began to realize indeed Jesus is that great Messiah. He is the Messiah. So now we can see the expectation of Jesus. He wanted to make this clear. I am the Messiah, the son of God, and by this great sign you will know who I am. So the people began to perceive indeed and say to themselves, I believe he is the Messiah. But now notice something here. What and how did they think of the Messiah? That's what that's what's important here. That's why you got to watch. Okay, let me just, let me just tell you what that is first. And then I'll give you the warning that you need to consider when you hear this particular passage. Okay. So they got all excited about this. He is the Messiah. And what was their response? The Bible said, Jesus knew at that time, they were making plans to make him King. They were going to make him King, whether he wanted to be or not. They were going to make him king by force. And what did Jesus do? He departed from them. He withdrew into the mountain alone, alone. No, he refused to be made king. Now let's put it together. So the people in now saying he is Messiah, what did they begin to hope for? They began to hope for physical deliverance. They begin to hope. You see, it was at that time during the time of Jesus' ministry, first century A.D., the Jews themselves were under the, the under the, the dominion of Rome. So yes, they began to perceive Jesus a prophet similar to Moses because what did Moses do? Moses, through the power of God, delivered the people from their bondage, their physical slavery in Egypt. And so now these people are looking at Jesus and they're saying, wow, if he can take Two fish and five loaves and create an abundance of food and feed and feed five thousand men. Imagine what he can do with an army. Imagine what he could do. And notice something too. Remember what it said at the beginning of them. They were following Jesus, seeing the signs that he was doing on the sick. Imagine what Jesus could do if uh, one of the soldiers, Jesus created an army and we began to follow behind Jesus in rebellion against Rome and Jesus deliver us from Roman oppression. If somebody gets hurt, he can heal them. If we run out of food. He can make food from just a little of nothing. Jesus can break the dominion of Rome over us. Let us come and take Jesus. We're going to make him king by force, whether he wants to be king or not. And he would deliver us from the Romans. But it was not deliverance from the Romans that they needed. It was deliverance from sin. It was deliverance from the oppression of sin. It was true spiritual deliverance that they needed. It was not the thing that was the most important thing. So when you look at this and get all excited, he can make a way out of no way and God can do this and God will give you this you are in the wrong direction, just like the people. Why? You are thinking in a materialistic fashion that Jesus was not trying to express in these things. He was trying to get them to see he was Messiah, son of God, who can deliver them, not from the oppression of Things, not one to give them things, give them a new house, give them a new car, give them pay their life. No, he is one who could deliver you from the ultimate oppression, the oppression of Satan and sin, not things. Why? Look at the response of Jesus. He left, and I'm going to talk about that. He departed from them. Remember his whole point. Remember the whole idea of the gospel. Jesus came to offer himself to the people, but nevertheless, they have to understand his offer. They did not understand the offer. Now, let me continue on with the text. So don't you make that same mistake. Yes, our God can provide material things for us, as we need him, God will provide for all of our need. He never said he'll provide for our greed. He'll provide for our needs through the riches and glory. That's why, listen to me, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and God's righteousness. The priority for the life of the believer is never things is never to acquire or try to use because you can't, you can't, you can't. It's never simply looking to God to give us things. The priority and motive of the heart of the believer is seek ye as a priority, the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. And what? Don't worry about things. Why? All these things, the things that you need, will be added unto you. Jesus says again, oh, you of little faith. Look at the flowers. They don't work, they don't do anything, but yet their beauty is greater than the beauty of Solomon. Look at the birds, they don't toil and work. They don't uh, plant seed and harvest seed. They just simply go out knowing that God will provide for them. If God will provide for flowers who are here today and tossed in the oven tomorrow, and if he'll provide for the birds, oh, you of little faith, don't you know he will provide for you. So I say unto you, don't worry. Don't say unto yourselves, what shall we eat or what shall we wear? For your heavenly father already knows that you need these things. But what I say is, seek ye first as a priority the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. They were seeking things. They needed spiritual deliverance. Okay. 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 I said I wasn't going to preach, but I kind of ended up preaching, but I was preaching from the spiritual perspective. They were looking for carnal perspective, but now let's go back into the final verse. So they were going to make Jesus King. Why did Jesus refuse to be made King for the very reason that I just stated their need was spiritual, but there are also other reasons. If Jesus had submitted to being their King it would have been the people who made him king. The scriptures teach the Messiah will be made God's king. He ultimately is God's king. And so therefore he must travel the path that God set before him. Remember, remember when Satan came to Jesus after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And in those temptations, he showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world at one time and said to Jesus, bow before me, accept me as your God. And all these things I will give you. The kingdoms of the earth. It'll be yours, for they are mine to give. Now, I don't want to hoop right there, but they were Satan's to give because what does the scripture call him? The prince and power of the earth. What? The ruler of the world. He is the the, the ruler of this present age. It was in Satan's power to give to Jesus. But what was Satan trying to get Jesus to do? Bypass the cross. And I don't have time to get into the details, but listen, listen closely. If Jesus bypasses the cross, there is no salvation for humanity. For if he had accepted Satan's offer, he never would have gone to the cross. But what happens if he doesn't go to the cross? You have to. Jesus must go to the cross in order to die for our sins. He must be resurrected from the dead. For this and this alone is God's plan of salvation. Without Jesus doing this, he cannot accomplish the will of the Father. There is no salvation for those who would believe in him. He would not die for sins. So, all of this has to do with God's program of salvation and Jesus is going to become king through the cross, not without the cross, not ducking around the cross, not about what the people have decided but through what God alone has decided. God himself, as Jesus will say later on in either John chapter 12, I believe it is, Father when they were, oh man, I don't want to get into it, but when the Gentiles come to Jesus, the Greeks come to Jesus, we would like to see Jesus and Jesus recognizes that the time for his dying on the cross is near and Jesus says, except the seed fall to the ground, it cannot live, but if it fall to the ground, it will bring forth life. And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself, speaking of the death by which he should die, by which he should glorify God, and then all of a sudden thunder came, and the people didn't understand the sound of the thunder, but it was God speaking to his son, and Jesus speaks to God and says, glorify your name in what? In my death on this cross in doing the thing that you have sent me to do, but I said all of that simply to say the program of God must be fulfilled and the program is fulfilled through the cross alone, not apart from the cross. Jesus can only be made king after going to the cross. But anyway, so what happens here when the people come to make him king, he rejects their offer. The time has already passed, and that's another thing too, but I'm not going to get into the Matthew chapter 12 thing. The time has already passed, but but look, I did do uh, some study in the book of Matthew, so go back and look at it on chapter 12. But nevertheless, he rejects their offer and goes to a secluded place. All right. (laughs) Thanks for joining me with that. I think that was pretty brief, but what we now see is we see the background set. Jesus, knowing what he's going to do, he does a magnificent miracle. I can imagine that. Two fish, five loaves, over 10,000 people. Man, that is the most magnificent thing. Showing you this is something that only God can do. So he sets the stage with that. And he also establishes a point with that. Now, join me next time. As we continue in our study in John chapter six, we're gonna get into the issue of walking on the water. Now I'm not gonna be premature and get into it, but there is going to be a similar point. So you guys remember what we just said when Jesus did this particular miracle of feeding the 5,000, why he did it for the disciples, for the people, what he was saying about himself, his divine nature as we work through the text in dealing with the thesis of John, Jesus, is God. But as he gets into that thing about walking on the water, we're going to see a very similar principle. He's going to basically state it again, but this time, not just so much as to the people, but directly to his own disciples. Nevertheless, just join me when that time comes. Anyway, as always, guys, if you believe that these video teachings have been a blessing to you, then I ask you to join me in support of this ministry. Or should I even say, support this ministry. There's always a link in the description where you can uh, support me in bringing these videos to you. Things that I delight to do, things that it is my servant who to do, it is my service to God to do. But of course you do know, we do need your support in order to do these things, okay? But nevertheless, if God has touched your heart, support the ministry and join me next time and we get into some even greater things in the book of John. See you then.